Blair Palmer and welcome to the Punks in Suits podcast, inspiring you to take the lead and be a force for change in your industry, your organization and your own life. It's about being endlessly curious, making a difference, connecting with your purpose and with yourself and taking the brilliant gamble of releasing the punk underneath your suit. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Punks in Suits podcast. I hope you are very well. I am sitting in our Airbnb in Mexico, Playa del Carmen, right now. Uh, If you haven't been here, I highly recommend it if you get the opportunity. Very, very beautiful part of Mexico. Um, Lots of culture, lots of things to do, lots of fabulous food. Uh, Not too expensive, although if you do it the way we've been doing it, it's very expensive. Uh, (laughs) Because we've been doing all the activities and uh, going out for dinner and all of that. But you can come to Mexico and not spend very much money if that is what you like to do. So that's where I am today. Back, actually, we fly back home later on this evening, get back over the weekend. Um, But as I record, we're still in this beautiful place, getting ready to come home. And it got me thinking these last few days, you know, one of the reasons we organized this trip was to do a little bit of test travel. So Ivy and I have traveled a lot, actually, uh, since she was very, very little. I remember taking her to Canada when she was six months old, and we went to Uh, France not long after that for a couple of weeks so she and I have traveled a lot in her short life but it's very different when you travel with in mind that traveling is going to be a big part of your life a permanent part of your life in the coming months and so we've taken this little trip in order to just see okay what kind of things do we need to bring with us what do we think is absolutely vital but not important Uh, how will we organize our time How will we make sure that we don't burn through cash like we are doing here uh, on this particular trip? So it's been highly informative. And it got me thinking about change and the different stages of change. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today. When things are ticking along and everything is fine, that's great. There's no need to make any change. I'm not one of these that believes that uh, you've always got to be changing. You've always got to be making something different. You've got to make your mark. You've got to to overhaul. Uh, You get a new job and you must immediately go in and start changing things. I don't believe that. Sometimes things do just tick along and it's fine to leave them well alone particularly if you don't quite know what is wrong in the first place. Better to just sit and watch and wait and see where the tensions are. But when you notice tensions, when you notice that something isn't working, there are a couple of different responses that we normally have. So if it's just something small, the thing that we will typically do is ignore it. It's just a little thing, it probably doesn't matter, this is quite normal anyway, and so we just just leave it be. The alternative is that we think, right, there's a tension over here, we need a massive overhaul, a massive change. Well, I think that we should start with little tweaks. So where you notice that something isn't quite working, where there is a little tension, 
you do something about it before it accumulates and too much change is required. At that point, the change has to be a massive overhaul or feels like it does at least, and then it's really overwhelming. It means certainly in the, in, in the business environment, these massive culture change programs or technical overhauls, uh, which are really, really disruptive and everyone hates them and they often don't have the impact that they're supposed to have in the end anyway. All that you do is by addressing a lot of tensions at once is that you may address those tensions, but you end up creating a lot of new tensions that you didn't anticipate. So I think it's much better if you notice something small and you change something small. But the question is, how do you notice these tensions? Because we tend to tolerate them. We tend to believe that they are normal or acceptable or they're so small it's not worth doing anything about them. So here are a few ideas from me about how to notice tensions and what to do about them. So my first tip is to notice what are the bits about your life or about your work that you tolerate. You don't like them, but you kind of feel you have to put up with them. That's life. Uh, so it could be at work, it could be certain meetings, of course. I mean, meetings are the bane of most people's existence, lots of tolerations there. So it could be something you tolerate about meetings or the meetings themselves. It could be the time that you get into work. So getting in during the rush hour might be a toleration for you. The mode of transport you take, um, the app you use to do a daily task, or it could be something you tolerate outside of work, the way your clothes are organized in your room, uh, the fact that you don't really have a social life. So anything that you're tolerating, uh, notice what you are putting up with and that you believe you have to put up with, there's nothing you can do about it. Here, what you want to do is start with a small change. So if you don't like the way that the clothes are organized, and this is on my mind because uh, in our Airbnb we had the, the clothes organized for the first week in one way, and then I realized this was a very bad way of organizing the clothes, I couldn't find anything. And so I just changed where the clothes were, and it's made a massive difference, a lot less stress in fact, and much easier to get dressed in the morning. So start with a small change, reorganize the clothes, or rethink the meeting schedule, or look into a new app. Don't tolerate just because the toleration is small. We tend not to want to complain about little things, but actually the little tweaks are far more efficient than a big overhaul, and much less complaining is involved in the long run. Secondly, second thing to notice is funny feelings. Now, Ivy is very conscious of her funny feelings. She will, and I've noticed this on this trip that we're taking, pick something up in a shop, and she imagines herself buying it and she has a funny feeling. Now she doesn't always know what these funny feelings are telling her, but she is aware of them. As adults, we get so used to funny feelings that we think they're normal. So the funny feeling you have on a Sunday evening before starting work on the Monday, or a similar funny feeling you might have at the end of a holiday, or the feeling you get at the start of a new project when it kind of feels like, oh, here we go again, or maybe halfway through when you hit an obstacle that you always hit. When you get these funny feelings, just notice, just sit with them. 
journaling or talking through these funny feelings aloud can help you to get to the bottom of it. Don't stop journaling. This is really important. People often think that, well, I've done two or three pages and I still haven't got there. Keep journaling, keep writing down everything you're thinking, no matter how ridiculous, until you're really listening to yourself, even if you don't want to hear what you're saying to yourself. And the same goes with talking it through. If you've got a critical friend or you've got a buddy that you work with or a coach, just talk, talk and talk until you get to the bottom of what this funny feeling is. And once you know what the funny feeling is, you'll have some idea of the little tweak that you can make to get rid of that funny feeling. Third way of noticing where a little change or a little tweak is required is when you find yourself forcing versus flowing. Now, this is a distinction I got from the amazing Jess Lively. I highly recommend her podcast. Uh, you can just have a look at, uh, just Google Jess Lively and you'll find her website and her amazing podcast and lots of other resources she has. But she makes the distinction between force and flow. So when you're in flow, you are in the zone. You're at peace with yourself. You know at every level that now is the right time to do this. When you're in force, you're making stuff happen. You're hustling. You're taking short-term pain for some sort of long-term gain that you're not quite clear about. Now, one distinction that Jess makes, and I think is really important, is the distinction between flow and float. Float is about apathy, it's about paralysis, it's about doing nothing, avoiding challenge. But that's different to flow. Flow, flow is about integrity. It can still be tough sometimes, you may still have some discomfort, but deep down you know that what you are doing is in keeping with your values versus float, which is avoidance of any discomfort and paralysis, or force, which is this sense that you're kind of paying a price, quite a big price for what it is that you're trying to achieve. Here, I think the approach is to wait before acting. This is really hard to do because we are in the habit as a culture of being busy, of taking action, of being very action-oriented. In fact, in order to tap into this sense of flow, you want to wait. You want to ask yourself, what's the right thing to do next? Adrenaline and our addiction to adrenaline will want to keep you busy. Oh, I'll just do this activity over here while I work out what to do about that thing that I'm not too sure about over there. No. Stop. Wait. Sit. <laughs> Stare at the wall, stare at the laptop, stare at the sky, whatever it is. Wait until you know what the right next thing to do is. And even though you'll think, oh, I'm wasting time here. In fact, when you get yourself into flow, you're going to be much more efficient and you're going to be doing the things that really need to be done. Next, number four is when you notice that you are jealous or critical of others. A tweak may very well be required in your own life when you notice this kind of emotional reaction to other people. When we find ourselves highly critical of other people's choices or 
100% sure that they can do it but we can't and that they must be lucky or have different concerns or it's easier for them for some reason. That is a, a clue that it's time to look at our own situation. If someone is making it possible, you probably could too. It's all about choice. What have they let go of that you hold on tight to? Now you only have to do one small thing. You don't have to sell your house and go digital nomad for a year. You just have to think to yourself, what is one attachment that you can let go of? Maybe it's the size of your house or the car that you drive or impressing your boss or proving something to yourself that frankly doesn't need to be proven to anyone, least of all yourself. Last week, uh, in my interview with Ginny, you'll know that I talked about our decision to sell the house and to roam for a year being digital nomads. This started with me thinking that it wouldn't be possible for us to do that. I have a, you know, an Instagram account and I follow lots of people that live in a van and that travel permanently and travel with their children and I was pretty sure, in fact I was 100% sure that we couldn't do it. And it's often that way when you notice that it simply wouldn't be possible for you and that it's only possible for others. That might be a clue that this is actually where you want to be going in your life. The thing that I think I will never be able to do when I see other people doing it is often the thing that I end up doing. So by noticing what you avoid thinking about for yourself, you can challenge your thinking about whether it really is impossible or whether it is actually possible for you. What happens when you make one small change is that you create momentum. It's a bit like chaos theory. The flapping of a butterfly's wing over here creates a tornado over there. When you make one small change, you shift the view. You can see differently and other changes become possible. Now, I know a lot of people feel some sort of paralysis because they worry about making the wrong decision. Usually you can't. We're talking here about small tweaks and they are reversible. But there's normally no need to reverse because there's no wrong decision really. It's just about getting unstuck. That's, that's the most important thing, get unstuck. You still have all the options you ever had, but now you have new options that are more liberating. And keeping it necessarily vague today, I, I don't want to get narrowed down into one change, like, oh, here's how to change meetings, or here's how to change uh, your social life. I want you to think about what these tensions are for you, and I don't want to limit your thinking by giving you too many specific ideas. But the main message today is to make tweaks. Notice tensions and make tweaks. Even if it feels like a massive overhaul is necessary, start with tweaks. Like dominoes all lined up, other things will follow, inevitably, other changes, other tweaks. But more important than that, get into the habit of making tweaks and you'll always then be able to make tweaks. Often when I go into organizations and they want to make a massive change, it isn't really necessary. What they see is a thousand different things going wrong. Actually, two or three little changes will probably resolve the thousands of tensions. When you make two or three little tweaks, everything changes. 
but we don't tend to do that because we're not in the habit of making tweaks, we're in the habit of big overhauls. So this week, have a look at where the tensions are. Review some of the clues that I've given you about where you might notice these tensions or how to notice the tensions. And then just make one small tweak. As ever, I'd love to know how that's going for you. I'd love to know examples of tweaks you've made in the past and where they've taken you in your work and in your life. And uh, any tweaks that you're thinking of making and want a little bit of support, um, please do join us. You can do that on our Brilliant Gamble Facebook group or in the Punks in Suits group if it's more of a, a professional thing. And um, with information about how to stay in touch with us, how to share your stories and how to follow ours, here's the lovely Ivy Palmer. You can follow our travel adventures on Instagram at a Brilliant Gamble and on our Facebook group also called a Brilliant Gamble. Please join and share your travel stories and other brilliant examples you've made or you want to make. Plus, for tips, tools, inspiration and resources about leadership and change, you can follow Mummy on Twitter at Blair Palmer and on this podcast's Facebook page, Pumps and Soups. And finally, to find out how to work with Mummy as a coach or have her speak about leadership and change, at your next event, visit the website at www.thatpeoplething.com. Thank you!